Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. SRB Media. Is it so? You're Good morning, Gabby. Good morning, TC, and good morning, all, and welcome to part 25 of our weekly podcast, The Curran View, with the idol of Hillsborough, Mr. Terry Curran. How's things? Fine, thank you. Uh, another week fl- flown past, hasn't it? So uh, it's it's unreal how time just fly. Time does fly, and we have to be honest with people. We both said good morning, and I was thinking, well, you always say good evening. Well, we did the podcast last night, and for whatever reason, it didn't record. So we we performed last night and didn't get the result that we should have got. Off the top of your head, is there any game in your career that you played and it didn't quite go your way, although you dominated it, or got a replay when, when you shouldn't have been replaying the game? Yeah, I think all players will tell you there'll be, be times when um, you, you walk off a pitch and you think, how have you lost that game or how have you drawn it, you know? Uh, and it's say when, when when you played as, as a player, you, you know, people come off or the manager come off and say to you, and even people when you, you know, when you see them in the pub or when you're out, they'll say to you, uh, by you had a good game yesterday, you think, well, I didn't play that well. And vice versa, you think, they'll say to you, well, you didn't play well today and you said, well, I, I thought I played really well, you know. So, yes, there, there is times like that, Gabby. Now, we always start with our magic moments. So what what magic moments, and it's usually two or three, have you picked out for us this week, TC? Yeah, there's three of them. Uh, the Son goal were an unbelievable goal, you know, uh, having the power and strength to run the full pitch, full length of pitch yeah. to be able to, to, to do that and finish off with a... I still have the composure to finish off uh, and, and put the ball away. And then there was two incidents with, with Liverpool, uh, Mo Salah with the uh, back heel in the box for Liverpool's second goal. And uh, man is pass, beat, put, putting the ball between the lines and putting out four four players, you know. Balls like that are absolutely killers. When you get players what can do that, whether it's a forward, midfield players, it's more midfield players because it's obviously they they, they putting the ball through, or even the defender because you get defenders can do it at times. When you get players can do that, it's always a killer for for the opposition. And that in itself is an art, isn't it? We can all pass the oh. ball, we can all pass it sideways or backways, but to put that killer pass through, as you say, that splits the defence, it takes players out. That is an art. It is, and, and when you look at Liverpool and Manchester City, they, they, they're the main two teams. What do it? The other team, there is other teams do it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just saying you know Man City and uh, Liverpool, but when you, when you see the, the two full backs putting balls into boxes, which are phenomenal when 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 they do it. Because when you're putting a ball into the penalty, you've got to find your own man. You know, you're no good putting it into the into the penalty box for the centre half uh, to wet it clear. And I listen to our pundits on TV and they'll say, "What great defending!" And now for me, that's not great defending. That's bad, bad uh, uh, passing of a ball or 
when you bring the ball into the box, it's just it's atrocious that you can you, you you find the opposition instead of finding a man, you know, to get a shot at goal or to get an edible goal. It, for me, that's poor, poor, poor play from 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 your part. And my three magic moments, because I'm picking three uh, this week. I'm going to pick up on the first one of yours as well, Son's goal. I thought it was an amazing goal. And just briefly talk me through that. How difficult is it to run probably almost 90, 95 yards with the ball and taking players on? And you talk me, you talk me through that because how tired must he have been at the end of that run? Not all players can do that, can they? No, I mean, the two, two players, were, I'll tell you to look at, when you look at Son, what can what did do it, yeah. and then if you look at Sterling, and I, I'm I'm a Sterling fan. When a lot of people were giving Sterling stick, you know, I was one of those what kept telling people this kid can play. Sterling's a, a 10, 20, 30 yard burst man yeah. with a ball. Son can do that. What he did, he's got the power, he's got the strength, you know, to be able to to run 60, 70, 80 yards, and maybe 90 yards. Uh, with a ball and to be able to push people off, you know, and uh, and still have the composure and the energy to uh, to finish to finish off, and that's I mean it was absolutely a fantastic goal. And people will turn around and say, well, you know, how's he done that? Because uh, some players will say, well, I don't know how I did it. I just you know, but in your head. It, 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 Having a proper football brain, the opposition is sending you one way, you know, and it's like a filing cabinet in in your head. It'll pick out the moment when when to 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 go the 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 the, the different way what the uh, opposition's sending you, and that is what uh, what I keep saying when people have got a proper football brain. I'm not talking about a scientist's brain or you know a mathematician's brain. I'm on about a football brain because players, the your opponents are sending you one way, and you've got to be able to handle it quick you know uh, and be alert and, and be brave enough or, or skillful enough to be able to to react to what to the opposite to to what they're trying to do uh, or send you what way they're trying to send you you know what i mean so it's it's having having the strength and power to be able to do it and son and there's plenty of other players what can do that but there's other players what can you know you know your uh, your, your players like um, john Barnes could do it you know he was the type of player what could do it. You know, uh, it takes some doing, but you've got to have the strength and power to be able to do it. And it's almost like def- the defending team are closing gates and you've got to have that key to open them gates because as they're pushing you one way, you're going uh, to an unnatural way because they're sending you where they don't want you to go or where they want you to go and where you don't want to go, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. And that's what I've just said. Yeah. Uh, they're sending you away yeah. uh, where they want you to go. Yeah away from the goal or into areas what they think is not going to be dangerous. And now you've got to be bright enough to be able to, one, uh, be able to get out of that scenario where they're sending you, two, have the power to be able to do it, three, have the confidence and the skill to do it. You know, and that's what makes, you know, your great players, your Cruyffs and your Bess and, and, and your, your Vinaldos and your, your, your Messis, your Maradonas, the players what can run 30, 40, 50, 60 yards with the ball. It takes some doing, but uh, you've got to have the trickery, the skill uh, and and the the, uh, strength to be able to do it. 
And talking about the skill, my second magic moment is um, Jeremy Bella's free kick goal for Birmingham City the weekend against Reading. He put the ball down, he puts the valve in a certain position and like Ronaldo, he hits just around about that valve and the ball does different things, doesn't it? Well, it it does. I mean, (laughs) few and far between people knew about hitting the ball between the valve. Yep. You know, it's only when Ronaldo, uh, but there's plenty. There's people doing it before him, but Ronaldo, uh, other people have, uh, have mentioned him why he's why he's giving that dip on. Because if you get the valve facing you when you're going to strike it, yeah. and you hit it with your front of your foot, you will get the dip and the bend for it to go up to come down. You know, and and the art about all that is putting the ball down and, uh, and giving the valve in the right area, and having the the confidence to put the, the the pace on it. But you've got to practice and practice and practice and the great players do it. I mean, we have, in my time, and and, and I still know it happens now, the the, the, the coaches are giving people to, to, to practice free kicks, what they want to uh, try on, on the pitch itself. And some of them are, are quite good, don't get me wrong. But you wear, you wear pundits say, well, you see that one's been... Uh, practice and practice on the training pitch with the coaches. You want players what's capable of being able to do it. Yeah. And a good manager. Because when, when I was at football clubs at Everton, I mean, they were not she's, but she's were, were our free kick. There's three, three or four of us what could do it. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's having that person on the ball that's got the confidence and that person will practice himself, you know, of putting a pace on the ball. I, I mean, I mentioned last night, when I was at, uh, teaching kids at, at Doncaster, I used to say to them, when you're going to put, when you're taking a free kick, put the ball, the valve facing you. Or if you're out wide, if you're in areas where you're going to cross the ball, don't be afraid to put pace on it. And strikers, when you're shooting, you know, put pace, put pace on it, place and pace, and you'll score more goals and you will put more balls into box if you put the pace on it, you know. And when you're crossing, you're looking to find a man, not just putting balls into areas for sake of putting into areas, yeah. you know. Now. There is times when you see the, the fullbacks at Liverpool, the footballs in, but that's into space. Yep. Not putting into areas where you know your defenders are going to be there. You know, that's what you've got to try to avoid. You've got to try and aim for areas or players, more players themselves, but areas otherwise. You know, but it's putting pace and, and practicing and putting pace and place and if you're in front of the goal. And if you if you watch when you put pace and place and when you see all the good players what do it. You know, I watched Jimmy Greaves do that when I when I was a kid. So that's what when I was in front of the goal, I'd either go around the keeper or I put place and play, and I score more goals that way. And you will score more goals that way. You know, you watch them on television when they're doing it. And you're right about when you cross the ball. I mean, it it's putting it into what what. I think it was a cricket term first, the corridor of uncertainty, and what people are in in football terms. Making defenders think so, putting the ball just in front of the goalkeeper where the goalkeeper's thinking, do I come or do I stick? And the defenders turn around and he thinks, do I attack that or do I let the goalkeeper? And while you've got that uncertainty in the defender's mind, the forward's nipped in and he's put it in the back of the net. Well, it's like when teams play with big lads, they're just throwing balls up to him. Yep. Well, when I were playing, you used to get to byline yep. and get ball, pull balls back. 
Now you've two, you've two uh, chances that way because not only have you got your forwards and your midfield players coming uh, onto goal, right? Yeah. You've got the defenders turned and going back towards yep. their goal. So a great ball in, and if you don't get it, there's a chance that they might hit one of the defenders and go into goal. Yeah. But when you're just throwing straight diagonal balls into a box, there's only one advantage, and that is for the defending team because they're having a run. At the, at the goal, but the great players put the great balls either into into areas where the forwards can get, or they're pulling it back to the uh, forward or the midfield player coming onto the ball, and it's them. What are the great players? It's them. What creates goals? It's them. What gives uh, the space uh, to the uh, to the uh, teammates to get a shot at goal, and great players will always find space and time on the ball. And my third magic moment um, is nothing to do with actually anybody kicking a ball. It's a player that used to kick a ball and he was a caretaker. Well, he's, he's still caretaker manager, interim manager. I don't know how they, they want to term it and phrase it. Uh, Duncan Ferguson, when uh, he was so jubilant with the two goals, or two goals in particular, and grabbed the ball boys. I'm thinking that if they'd have scored another goal, the ball boys would have run in a different direction because Big Dunk coming down on you is a fearsome and an awesome sight, isn't it? It is. And, I mean, it was great to see it, and it obviously was a great uh, result for my old club, uh, Everton. That's what fans want to see. Yeah. They want to see passion. They want to see uh, commitment. You know, uh, and that's one thing what Dunk will get out of his team. He will get uh, passion and commitment, and he will demand that. And, it, you know, in any team, if you don't get that, uh, then you want to you wanna lose a straight away. Now, I've been talking about all week about uh, managers and coaches and uh, leaders. You know, players want to believe in a manager. They want to see that a manager's got uh, ideas, what they think is, is going to suit their game. Gameplay. They, they want managers. What's uh, not going to be fearful of teams? Yes, you know you you've got to make players understand about when they haven't got the ball. But Duncan was on the line. He's demanding. He's telling players. You know, if the ball's up at the other end, he's telling players, "Come on, get further upfield. You tuck in. You come round. You cover him. You cover that." And that's great. And that's what players want to see. Uh, and that's what fans want to see. Even players, because. Players can switch off a little, uh, a little bit when the ball's at the other end of the pitch. And it only needs one split pass to set the team off on a counter-attack. And if you're not concentrating, right, it can cause you problems. So uh, what Duncan did on, on, on Saturday was he gave him commitment, he showed leadership, and he, got, he gave the team the belief, you know, uh, to go and uh, take Chelsea on. Because... I watched the game and some of the and some of the football that they played were terrific. It wasn't as though Duncan were just throwing balls into the box. It, it changed it. He played a four-four-two, but the movement uh, of the forwards were terrific, and uh, it was a great result. Uh, and and it, it put passion back in to the uh, to the team, and it, it got the fans going. And, and like we said last night, uh, it, it's a terrific ground once once the fans get behind the team. And the thing is with Big Dunk, he's been there for some time, hasn't he? You know, he's actually learned the the role as, as a as a manager or a coach on the ground and, and watching the way other managers have, have done it. Now, 
sometimes you get you get a lot of benefit out of somebody that doesn't particularly do it in the right manner as much as somebody that does it in the right manner because the different managers that you work with you've worked for you've worked under you take bits of all of them and mold them into your situation don't you well, I would imagine that's what majority of people yeah. do. But, I mean, I listen, it's not as I'm against people all the time, but, you know, I'll, I'll ask a question. I mean, a prime example is when, we, to, to, to be a manager, yeah. you know, to say, oh, well, he's won this and he's won that. It, do, it doesn't mean anything because you can go into a football team, a football club, and it might not suit you. And it, yeah. you might, you get in there, you might think, oh, I, do, I wish I would have come here. Yeah. You know, a prime example is when you look at uh, people like uh, Capello, yeah, wins every honour there is at club level, and then takes over our national team. And so we had some great, great players, great players. Yeah, right. You can all blame players as much as you want. If he doesn't get that strategy right for that team, it's going to fail. So it doesn't make a difference whether you've experienced or not. You know whether you play football or not. If you're a leader, yeah. what can get those players? To believe in you in, in in what you're doing and show that you're not frightened of the opposition and have the right philosophy for the players that you sign, yep. then that will you win more football matches that way than, than having an experienced money. I mean, look at all the managers what go what keep giving jobs. It's like a merry-go-round. Yep. They've all got experience. They can all put a, a, a project on, they can all put a training session on, right? Yeah. They keep failing. Yeah. They keep the same people what fail, what keep giving jobs, you know. So uh, it doesn't make a difference who you are or what you do. It's only time will tell whether you're going to be a football manager or not, or you're going to be successful for that club or not. Spot on, TC. It's now time to pick our five of the best. And last week we did five of the best, or our favourites, our best, in, in our opinion, of, uh, of forwards. Of the uh, of the seventies, no, it's midfield players. Oh, no, last week we did no, so yeah, last week yeah, but but this week we're going to be doing midfield players, not wide players, but you know your kind of your engine room, your central midfield players. So in no fixed order, who are your five best midfield players from the seventies? TC. Well, I picked one. I had to, I had to pull him out last night, didn't I? Because <laughs> you, did, you know, yes. it's that many great players uh, in midfield, you know, and and. One of my favourites. I forgot all about him. He's one of my favourites. You know. <laughs> no. uh, so, I, and I left, I left him out at first, and I realised, and I said, no, he's got to be in my team. So, uh, I'm going to have Hudson. Yep. Curry. Yep. Alan Ball. Yep. Johnny Giles. Yep. And Billy Bremner. And we discussed about Liam Brady because I had Liam Brady in there, and it's so hard to leave him out because we have British players, and yep. it's. Well, it is. It's so hard to leave him out, but it's not just leaving him out. It's leaving plenty of them out. You know, I mean, Graham Souness, one hell of a player, but one of the dirtiest players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. You know, to, to have that uh, ability what Graham Souness had, yet what a vicious man he was on a football field. So they are my five, uh, and I'm disappointed that I've left some great players out, but... That I, w I won't be leaving him out because, like some managers do, I don't like him. You know, you can only you can only pick so many. You know, but I still, if I if I had to have substitutes, they'd be they'd be among those sus substitutes. 
Yes, you're absolutely right. And in the 70s, we had so many fantastic central midfield players. I'm just going to give you a little list off the top of my head that players I've left out. Uh, Bell, Francis, Kendall, Dobson, Masson, uh, McElroy, Daly, Hibbert, McCallion, Brookin and McDermott. <laughs> you know, they would probably get into the England squad now. Colin Harvey were another one, you know. Yep. Jim McCallion, but another one. Yep, I've I mean, mentioned Jim. Jim. Great yeah, player. It's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? You know, some great, great players. Great players. But the the five that I've picked, and and I was chewing over the last one, and, and and I'm still tossing the coin, even though I've slept on it. Hudson Curry, totally agree with you. Johnny Giles, 100% agree with you. I'm going to put Chippy in there, in as much as when, when Alan played at Arsenal. Uh, Alan says to me that, that what Brady couldn't do with the ball was just, the, the, the guy was a genius. And that left foot, I remember Joe Gallagher telling me that Kenny Burns had said to him he could open a tin of peas with that left foot. I mean, it wasn't a foot, it was a one, Liam Brady. So mm. I am going to put Liam Brady in there. And it's a toss of the coin out of Alan Ball and Billy Bremner. And I've just shaded with Borley for, uh, for what again, what Udi said and what you've also said about Borley, the best one-touch player he's ever played with. And, uh, and he won the World Cup, but Billy Bremner won absolutely everything else apart from the World Cup. So it's one of them, isn't it? It is. I mean, Bremner, Bremner will like Borley because I played against uh, Bremner towards the end of his career and I played with, with Alan at Southampton. Yeah. Bremner could play as, uh, one touch as good as anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. And the, the, the thing about Bremner, he was one of those players. See, if he, he got the ball and he's looking to play the ball right. Yeah. Right? And you think, you know, players players would think he's going to pass this ball into that area there, and then all of a sudden he's used his left foot and go the other way. Yeah. You know, and it look one way and pass it the other. I mean, you you see Ronaldo do it. You, you see great players do it now. But Bremner one was one of the first to do to to do that. It would, I mean, Sooners. I mean, when you don't leave, put Sooners in that. You know, it's it, it's it's unbelievable. I just think it it smacks of the quality that we had on football pitches in the 70s, whether that be goalkeepers, defenders, central defenders and fullbacks, wingers and midfield players, inside forwards and central strikers. We had, in my opinion, some of the greatest players ever to go on a football pitch in the 70s. We did. I mean, I mean, we won European uh, Cups, you know, and Champions Leagues, as we call it now. Yeah. Uh, Dominated in in, 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 in in those days, and when and when you look when you look at the players that Scotland, yeah, you know the Welsh produced a few and the Irish produced a few, but the players that Scotland produced in those days was phenomenal, weren't it? You know when you look at Joe Jordan, uh, Kenny Dalglish, uh, Dennis Law, you know Jimmy Johnsons, and Celtic went were the first British team to win a. a, a a European Cup. Some of the greatest, some great players that Scotland produced. We had some in England, but both countries. And when, when you think about Scotland not being able to get to a quarter final uh, in uh, World Cups and European Championships, it, it, it's phenomenal. It, I mean, they got in '78, uh, and I think they got in '82 with, uh, but didn't didn't perform like England, did they? You know, I mean. They didn't have a Ferguson at the time, or it was around, but uh, not at his best, or wanted to not manage Scotland. You got Jock Steen, what had just 
finished with Celtic and thought, right, I'll have a go at the national team. But, you know, he finished up uh, dying. I mean, he had the heart attack, didn't he, yeah. at, uh, on the side of the pitch when he was managing Scotland against Wales. So, you know, they've never had... They've produced some great football managers, but not those football managers have not managed the team at the right time, have they? You know, it's it's been funny with Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember the... Um... Probably the first World Cup that I really remember was 1974 and Scotland got to that 74 uh, tournament in, in West Germany because it was West Germany in those days. And uh, I don't think Scotland lost a game but got knocked out. Knocked so, out, yeah. yeah. Similar to England in 1982. Didn't lose a game but got knocked out. I mean, now you can win a World Cup by losing two or three games. It's ridiculous. Well, the 78 one. Yeah. I mean, can you remember Archie Gemmell's goal? Oh, against Harlan, Gemmell, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, a great player. I mean, there we go, Archie Gemmell. Yeah, I know, one. I know. Fantastic footballer. I mean, Only we, small. All, I mean, when you look at them, Borley, yeah. Remnant, Giles. Yep. All small players. Yep, all five foot five, five foot six, one, no. You know, Archie Gemmell, unbelievable. I mean, Sooners was only my height, five ten, five ten and a half. Yeah. Maybe five eleven at most. You know, fantastic football players. But uh, no, Scotland have produced some absolutely gems of footballers. And an unsung hero of the uh, of the seventies, a player that really doesn't get the recognition, but but went on to uh, win the um, the European Cup was uh, John McGovern, who was best man at your wedding, wasn't he? I mean, John John was a player. Well, John wasn't the best man at my wedding. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. John McGovern, John McGovern was, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. John. I'm thinking of John, uh, John Robertson. Sorry. Yeah. You're right. John, uh, John McGovern, um, still haven't woken up, I think. Uh, <laughs> you me. You're right. John McGovern was the best man at my wedding. If I'm honest, you, John weren't a great player, but what John were great at. Yeah. I mean, Cluffy drilled it into him. He used to say to him, young man, you can't play football, you. Get the ball and give it to them who can play football. So when you see Robertson, give it to him. When you see Curran, give it to him. You know, and that's what uh, John did. And he, yeah. what he did, he, he weren't dirty like Sooners were. Yeah. I mean, we talk about anticipating and uh, winning the ball. John were great at things like that. Yeah. So, yes, he was a great player because he did the, game, did the simple game and he played it simple. Yeah. You know, uh, and when he when he ran, he looked awkward, but he won a lead title with Derby County. Yep. He won uh, cups with Nottingham Forest, European Cups. He went to Leeds up with Brendan and Giles, and they looked at it and think, well, what's he doing here? Yep. You know, but he was a great player, like you said he was. Behind the Lens is another feature that we do on the podcast. We're going to go back to 1973 and the picture of you at Doncaster Rovers with with your brother David. Yeah, at, uh, David was a, a great footballer. He, he only wanted to play local more than anything else. You know, the the fans what used to go watch him play from our village. He used to take two and three bus loads to go watch him play. <laughs> you know, he was that popular. But he weren't bothered about going and playing... Uh, professional football. I had, a, I had another brother, Peter, a great goalkeeper. They all used to call him the cat, you know, and he was saying we weren't bothered about going and playing. He could have signed for Barnsley yeah. when he was young and he, he just didn't bother. But Cluffy and Jack Charlton wanted to um, uh, sign our David. He just, he, all he wanted to play local football. When he came to Doncaster with me, he said to me, he said, uh, I mean, 
He said they don't pass for that, so they're not going to pass. They want they want to sign and they want to do things and show the manager that they want to be in the team. Yeah. But he put him put him on a local football pitch, and he never showed up. Put him away from out of the village, and he wouldn't say anything. But I'm totally opposite. Yeah. You know, if they didn't pass to me, I'd give him a right rollicking. Yeah. Come here, give me the ball. You know, but uh, one season he scored 200 goals, not just for not just for Kinsley boys. But everybody wanted wanted him to play with him, so he'd go and play local. You know, he'd play for Wisbury on a Saturday Saturday morning, Kinsley boys on a Saturday afternoon. He'd play for someone else on a Sunday morning, and someone and someone else on a on a Sunday afternoon. He played honestly, but you could ask anybody. He scored two hundred goals in one season with playing with these teams. You know, and if you go to if you go to archives of Sheffield papers, it's all it's in the Sheffield papers. Two hundred goals in one season. You know, it's it was an incredible footballer. But when you look at the photograph, look at us both there, we're both a bag of bones. Yeah. At 23, 24, I, David, put a, a bit of weight on and People used to say, used to say, uh, you know, I'll mark the fat lad up front. Within five minutes, about within 10, 20 minutes, he scored an hat-trick. He <laughs> got that, he got great ability, great ability and two good feet. Now, keeping it in the family, another feature that we do, we always follow your son, Jock. How did Jock... Don't you set me off with Jock. (laughs) How did Jock get on this week? (laughs) Well, we we were supposed to do this on uh, Tuesday because uh, you got a school uh, activity with with your daughter you were going to watch. And obviously, we did it last night and it's not recorded. But what I was saying on it last night is I set off to uh, Gainsborough on Tuesday night to go watch him play. Yeah. And then I'm in the can. I, I said to Tom, you know, I'm supposed to be doing that thing with Gabby. I forgot all about it. So we phoned you in the car. I said, we're on his way to get, uh, to uh, Gainsborough. And you said, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, we'll do it tomorrow night when I get back from the activity. Yeah. We get all the way down there. We call for a McDonald's just to kill a bit of time. Then we go into the uh, clubhouse at uh, Gainsborough. So we thought we'll have a, I'll have a Coke. He'll have a pint. We'll talk about what, we're watching uh, Liverpool match. He gets a, a text from Jock about 20 to 7 saying the game's off and Tom thought he were taking the mick. So I just shouted to the lady at the bar, is the game off? Because we was in Gainsborough's uh, clubhouse. She says, not as I know on. Anyway, within a couple of minutes, she said, oh, the game's off. So you travelled all the way down there, you know. And when you look at the pitch, the pitch was perfect, but it must have absolutely belted it down for 10 or 20 minutes. But uh, at that level, they'll be having players what uh, may may not get there because it's it's an amateur it's amateur level in you know your games, you know, I mean your professional clubs are not going to have the games called off unless they're really really waterlogged. But uh, they will look at it. They might have some of the best players missing or some of the players that can't get up can't get there for work. They'll always have enough players, but if they can get the best players and if they can call the game off, they'll they will do it most times uh, than not. So. Uh, it was a bit disappointed because he's just starting to, it's uh, just starting to fill out now and get his balance. And uh, I've been impressed with him this last couple of games. Now Gainsbury, is that Gainsbury Trinity? They're a famous yeah. old football club, aren't they? Yes, yes. And I tell you, who's managing them now. The uh, the Sheffield United player, what became a boxer? Oh, Curtis. Curtis Woodhouse. He's the manager there now. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, See how he set his team up and uh, how the how they performed and uh, what way uh, his team was going to play and 
I was going to give I was going to give my judgment of him on on my Facebook wall and his team, but obviously the game was off, so I couldn't do it. To, but to, it's a cup game, so they will have to play him at some point again. So uh, I will do it, and I will uh, give my honest opinion of what I think Curtis is as a manager and how I think he, he may go, how he may do in in, in football. Well, don't criticise him too much. He might be knocking on your on your door, TC. <laughs> When I criticise somebody, it's a fair <laughs> criticism. I'm not. I'm not like pundits when they when yeah. they're wanting some managers to get the sack, saying oh, they, they, they. because when you look at that, when 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 pundits are, we can all see that the defending's not right. Yeah, we can all see that there's something not right at the club. And when you look at all that, the picking all that out, it makes it look worse for the manager. And the most important thing about any football team when 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 the manager's lost the plot. It's that the players that you can see that the players are not playing for him, and that's what it is. So uh, you're right; you've got to be careful with him because uh, he, he did go to someone's house one day. What could you say? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I was over boxing. He, he reckoned he hadn't got the bottle or the courage yet, and then he turned up in his house. <laughs> Imagine Curtis Woodhouse landing on your doorstep. <laughs> you've got to know when to pick your face, you know, Gabby, uh, and who you saying who you saying things about. Oh, you certainly have. It's a, there's a Sheffield theme running through the uh, the podcast, and there usually is. Let's be truthful, because you are the idol of Hillsborough. Now, forty years ago, Boxing Day, it was an absolute massacre. You put the blades to the sword. Let's stay there for the next fifteen twenty minutes and reminisce about one of Sheffield Wednesday's greatest ever ninety minutes. It was an early kickoff. It was midday. The the police had said that they, they needed to be. There was fifty, arguably sixty thousand inside Hillsborough. Talk me through the day. How did it start? Well, the official. Uh... The official um, attendance that day was about 49,334, something like that. Yeah. But, you know, in those days you couldn't stand up and if, if there weren't 60,000 there, <laughs> then uh, if there weren't 60,000 in there, they, they were telling us a lie because I, I would imagine in those days, allegedly, yeah. they'd always take a little bit out. You know, if there were 60,000 there, they said there were 50. If there were 50,000, they said there were 40. But uh, the day itself, we, we we met at the ground. We went up on bus to to have a, a lunch up at um, the Rutland Hotel. It's the first game they played within the last eight to twelve years. I'm not quite sure now, but they hadn't played each other for a long time. You can say a minimum of eight years. Sheffield United were were at top of the league. They'd just come down that season. Um, they still got good quality players from. For playing in the old second division, you know, uh, they'd been in the first division. Wednesday's been out of it for a long time at Sheffield yeah. Wednesday, so United had uh, started to get a little bit of a better following because Wednesday are the biggest club in in City. Uh, but when when you're playing in the Premier Leagues and when you're playing uh, in the old first division, the young kids want to watch the Manchester United's, you assholes of this world, and Sheffield Wednesday lost lost a bit of uh, impetus. Uh, in that and um, but when I came there we did turn it round a bit I mean the gates went from 12,000 to 28, 30, 35,000 but that game was a full house a complete full house the buses weren't running that day it was a boxing day uh, for, a, for a good month the fans were you know don't 
don't let these beat us. You know, we, we, we don't want to be going into work. You know, we're sick of them being the top dog for, 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 for the past eight seasons. So driving down on the bus, thousands and thousands of fans. I mean, you see, you see in FA Cup semi-final, I played in FA Cup semi-finals, I played it with, with Everton in, 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 the, in the semi-final, Southampton in the semi-final. But this, there was there's no buses, so there were there were fans walking. There were thousands of fans walking yeah. to the game. We usually usually see it uh, when you're driving. Say like we were playing at, uh, to Ivory. You only saw fans in and around the stadium when when the bus was pulling in. You see thousands of fans there, uh, and vice versa. When I did it with Southampton, you know. Uh, but this. It was in the town centre from because we were at the other end of the town. We were at the United end, really, yeah. uh, the hotel where we were staying at. So we're coming down on the bus. There's no buses running that day, right? And Hillsborough, the main road, uh, the main road runs alongside the ground, and uh, Leppings Lane ends is the same. So really, when I said, I said it was three co uh, corners, but it isn't. It's two corners. It's like an L shape when you go. When you go around, it's at the side of the main road. So, whatever way you came in, and when we drove down, when we drove down from top end of, of Sheffield, yeah. there's thousands of fans, and it never stopped. It just never stopped until we got to ground, you know. Uh, and to and, and to walk out in front of that uh, stadium to to the capacity, you know, of fans, a full house, it, it was unreal. I mean, within the within the uh, tunnel area I mean we were the first team I mean you see it a lot now but you don't you, you never saw it nowadays they said to us we're going to walk out together we're yeah. going to when we get on the pitch we're going to get into a line and then we're going to shake hands you know because we're, we're, we're going to try and make this look at there's no animosity uh, between players but in the in, in the tunnel now Sheffield United I mean Tony Kenworthy and John McPhail Monty as we called him what they weren't going to do to me, they were going to break my legs. I won't be on football field uh, after five minutes. But they, they knew I was the type of player that um, weren't going to be uh, intimidated, weren't going to be frightened. Because uh, managers would say in the dressing room, we'll just say we're playing playing against Peter Barnes, because everybody knows Peter Barnes. They'll say, give him a kick, we'll we'll test him. So if Peter were, were frightened, you know, you wouldn't see Peter for the rest of the game. But they knew with me, that uh, they were going to get some back. I said, one thing. First thing, you're not quick enough to get near me. Second thing, I ain't going to be running away from you. I'm going to be running past you with a ball. And third thing, you're going to get more than you'll ever give me. Because if anybody's going to get the leg blocks, it'll be your two. You know, and and uh, they had a guy called uh, Alex Sabella. Good player. You know, his, his face uh, turned white. He, he couldn't believe what was going off, you know. Uh, I mean, Alex Sabella went on to to manage um, Argentina. Argentina, mm -hmm. yeah, and I'm uh, I'm sure he did what Billy did. He went to play for Leeds United. I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Yeah, you know, he, he was a great player, but Alex didn't perform that day, you know. But when you run out, it makes the air stand up back of your neck. It yeah. does to play for clouds like that. When you're playing for the team who you support, it's even more so. Spider. Uh, made it easier because he scores an absolutely fantastic goal. It was a goal. Even you'd be proud of yourself to score. I mean, I'd have been proud to score that goal. Absolutely. Came in from the left-hand side. Boom. Right into the top corner. Keeper had no chance. But there was an incident in the game where not long after the, after we scored, 
I think it was fate what hit the crossbar. The ball's come down and Bob falls on 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 floor, and he's either reacted. I mean, mix it it. And Bob's either put his hand, they got his hand to it. I'm gonna have another look at that today. Bob uh, has got his hand to it, and it's gone over the bar. And if it's not his hand, it's either his his chest yeah. or it's hit a bit face. First and foremost, he should have scored. Is it a great save? Well, if he's got his hand to it and reacted to it, yeah. But if it's hit him, no. They, if that goes in, who knows what would have happened? Yeah. You know, uh, they didn't score. We went on to uh, to, to to score four goals uh, and make it uh, a Boxing Day massacre, as, as they all sing now in Sheffield. And it's a song that all football sings, uh, all football clubs sing now if their team are winning on Boxing Day. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a song what's come, it's technically, well, it's, uh, it's been tested throughout football because everyone sings it, like I say, but it was a great game, fantastic uh, memories to play in, uh, and the game down at uh, Bramble Lane, there were another 45,000 people there uh, that day, so it, it, the result at Christmas knock Sheffield United back and we went on to get promotion and I, like you said last night Sheffield United finished about 12 and uh, they never recovered from that uh, game at all On a personal level how did it feel to score A with your head at, at Hillsborough and then B that, that worldy goal at Bramall Lane but to score against your rivals being a mad Wednesday night um, and also, you had time to do a spot of sunbathing on Boxing Day as well, didn't you, in that game? <laughs> well, I mean, how do you describe it? It's, it, it, it's, it's excitement, it's jubilation. Yeah. You know, to score a goal is great, but when you do it against uh, uh, the opposition, uh, what's in your city, you know, uh, and, and trying to stop you winning, you know... Uh, to play in those derbies, it's it's phenomenal. You know, it does make air stand. Playing football makes air stand on on on, on back of your neck and on your arms when you're playing at the old Traffers. But do it at your own stadium uh, against your uh, opposite uh, other end of the city uh, team, Sheffield United. The feeling is terrific, absolutely terrific. And when I scored with the header, I just ran slid on my knees because it was a, a rainy day towards the uh, Leppings Lane end. Got there. And it's not that you're antagonising fans because you, fans, you don't think about it. You just run and you... Yeah. I got on my knees and put my hands in, my air, in the air to uh, celebrate and United lot are all throwing coins at me. You know, so the groundsman must have got himself a right few quid out when he was doing the ground, uh, maintaining the ground after the game. But uh, if it ever shows you the full game... If we ever get, if I could get ever get out of the uh, the full recording of the game, I'd, I'd put it on. I I think uh, Dan Gordon is a is a, a film director now, Dan, or docu documentary director. Uh, he's got the full clip of it. Okay. And he what he said he was going to send me it. I'll try and get hold of it, Dan, and uh, and get it. And there were a, we got a corner, and again it was in the Lappins Lane end, and it was a rainy day, and we're, we're winning four 0 I get the ball. Puts it down to take the corner, uh, lays on the floor, right, and I put my head on the ball to sunbathe, and they were throwing <laughs> coins on me. So, like I said, that that groundsman must have um, 
must have made himself a right few quid. I bet he got himself about a 10 or 12, 15 quid that day with people throwing coins on, on, on to the pitch. But uh, there's a funny side to it. But then again, it does antagonise. Uh, you don't think about it at the time. Uh, well, well, I didn't, but some players, when you see them today, you can see what they're doing. They run towards the fans on purpose. But all I, all I was doing was celebrating a goal. And, and when I played, I just wanted to have a bit of fun and entertain. When you're winning three or four nil, you know, the times I'd go round a goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, there'd, be times, there'd be times I would uh, go round a goalkeeper and score a goal. There'd be times I'd go round a goalkeeper stop. And I'd just look at the fans and they'd be, they'd be shouting, put the ball in the net. And I'd just wait for Andy McCulloch to come and say, here you are, Andy, and let him put the ball into the net. You know, uh, I, I love football. And all I was interested in was playing football. But I love playing for my club, Sheffield Wednesday. But they, they were funny incident, incident, incidents at the, at the time. But uh, you can see why it, it can cause trouble and all. Now, the heady goal, Jack used to give you 50 quid for a heady goal. Did he give you 50 quid for that one as well? No, he didn't give me 50 quid. What, what it was, I'd never scored. I'd scored, I'd gone round keepers, scored, I'd scored spectacular goals, yeah. I'd scored tappings, but I'd never scored with my head. And, and uh, with me playing through middle, and Jack didn't want me to play through middle, he wanted me to play out wide. Uh, but whenever I was scoring goals, it was it was difficult for him to, to put me back onto wing. And he said to me, you can't head a ball. You know, I'm going to play you back out on wing, you can't head a ball. I said, what do you mean I can't head a ball? You know, but what I could do, I could time it and I could jump. By the way, you were right, I couldn't hit a ball. <laughs> but I didn't, they didn't pay me enough to hit a ball because when I hit a ball, when I hit a the first time I hit a ball was one of those old cases with the laces yeah. in. And when they got, when they were wet, right, ah, David would hit it. Yeah. And he'd start laughing. When I hit it, I wanted to cry. <laughs> you know, it used to give me an headache. You know, I, I, I didn't know how to hit a ball. <clears throat> But as, as, as you become a professional footballer, you're learning all sorts of different things. But I could time it. Yeah. We're playing up at Grimsby, and he said to me one day, we got into an argument about something. You know, when they say an argument, not an argument where you're slagging each other off, yeah. but an heated discussion where he's saying, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do other. And I said, well, I'll bet you £100. I'll bet you £100. Uh, I'll score with my head today. Right? And off the cuff, he just said, right, well, so we, we bet £100. And I, it was a, I've got a photograph. I'll put it on for you, Gabby. Yes, definitely. I'll put it, I'll put it on the on the wall today. The goal I scored against Grimsby, and and I'm a, I'm a I'm a good three foot off the floor. Yeah. You know, and I'm I bet I'm a good foot above the goalkeeper batch. Yeah. Manager batch for, for goals for, for for Grimsby. I'll get it and I'll put it on today. Um. Anyway, on the Monday, on the Monday, um, Jack. And Morris said he's coming to the dressing room. He said, Jack wants to see you. So when I went into the dressing room, like I said, uh, when I got done with the, uh, when I refused to pay a fine one day, he, he got a safe in there. He took the £100 out and he and he gave me the £100. If I got fined, he'd take the £100 out. Yeah. He'd give me it and then take it back off me to pay with a fine. But that one, uh, it was a bet we had. Uh, that I, uh, I, I, I bet that I would score a goal. He, he had a bet that uh, I wouldn't score with a goal, uh, with an header, and I scored. But that weren't the only incident. That weren't the only uh, instant uh, incident where we had bets. We had bets on snooker, you know. Uh, I weren't a bad snooker player. And uh, Jack, uh, I used to play Jack, and he beat all the lads, and I'd beat Jack, and it used to bug him, Gabby. <laughs> I, I don't like losing. I don't like losing in five sides. I don't like losing matches, and Jack doesn't like losing it. But uh, Jack, 
I would say Jack was a better player than me. Yeah. But I always beat him. You know, like at tennis, I was a great tennis player. Our David is a left-hander. Yeah. He's a right footer, but it was both feet, but he's he was predominantly right foot. But when he writes with his right hand, uh, and he played tennis. And I was a better player, than, tennis player than our David. But he always beat me for some unknown reason. And it used to bug me. And when I played snooker with Jack, we had a snooker table up at, at, at Hillsborough. I always beat him. He beat all the other lads, and he'd always be have a smile on his face. <laughs> and then, and it'd get worse because you know you beat him. Come on, I play now for twenty pound. Yeah. And then I beat him for twenty. We're not going. No, I've got a good Jack. I've got a ghost. No, we're not. We're having another one. It's forty pound. You know. <laughs> And he'd lose, he'd get angry and angry, you know. And uh, one day, we'd, it's something happened, and I said, that's a foul. And he went, he went completely ballistic, he did. <laughs> uh, and Alan Biggs was there, he come down to interview him. And Alan Biggs tells a funny story about it. Uh, so I said to Biggs, or he said to Biggs, one of us said to Alan Biggs, uh, is that a foul? He said, well, I don't know. So anyway, we left it, right? And now we left it, so it went in his favour, Jack's favour. I still beat him, by the way. But Biggsy then phoned someone up at uh, the Crucible about the shot, <laughs> right? So when he's done his interview, when he's done his interview, he's <laughs> mentioned that uh, I was right and Jack, were, and Jack was wrong. Yeah. You know, and Jack absolutely went ballistic with uh, Biggsy, and he gave him a rape looking. So uh, I'll get to... I'll get Alan Biggs to send me that uh, interview. Yeah. <laughs> and when he when he played it, you if you ever meet uh, Alan Biggs, and probably you'll meet him if, if we're ever together at uh, yeah. one of the games and he's there. And you ask him about it. So uh, I, I used to wind Jack up somewhat wrong. Not in the sense that uh, I did it on purpose. Yeah. But I do think I used to wind him up like, you know, so uh, great times. Great game to play in the, the both the derbies and... Uh, Great memories for me. It'll never leave me playing for Sheffield Wednesday and playing in those type of games. Now, commercially, it would make a lot of sense if Sheffield Wednesday did a 40-year commemorative DVD of that Boxing Day massacre because, you know, there's some games of football that players play in and fans look at it and that, but that really is an iconic game. And it's got to be up there as one of the one of the greats of, of British football. And you had a reunion uh, last Friday. How did that go, meeting up with the old guys again? Brilliant. When you think of that, uh, especially with the club, uh, yeah. they, would have, they, they would sell a few. Because other night, it was Friday night, I was... Thursday night I'd gone to uh, do a Nottingham Forest with John Robertson and them. Okay. And then and then Friday night I went um, to a do at um, at uh, Hillsborough. Absolutely packed, and I mean packed. You couldn't move inside it. Uh, some great funny stories from all of us, all lads. But it was great to see. I mean, I've only seen Spider, Brian Ornsby, um, Bob Boulder, and Andy McCulloch about three times, maybe twice in, in, in the 40 years because them four were living down London. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jeff King didn't um, come to any of them. You know, I think we've had two or three now uh, over the years. He doesn't come to him. He seems to be a shy lad. Uh, I, I didn't think he got on great with Jack, did Jeff? Yeah. Uh, he, was a, he was a small player, but I mean, Jack played with Giles and Bremner, but 
Jeff was well, strong player. He, he, he weren't frightened of anything, but he was in and out at team and he didn't like that. So I think partly it's that, but partly he, he is a shy kid. Jeff Johnson weren't there because, well, I don't know what happened with Jeff, but uh, who was the other one? Mark Smith, he weren't particularly well. He he came downhill that night. Yeah. And Charlie Williamson played in the game. He, 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 either someone in his family weren't well, so uh, there was the only two what were missing. Was uh, Ticker Jeff, was Ticker there? Uh, no, Ticker weren't there. No, he was another one. Yeah. So so I think there was there was, there was uh, Spider me uh, when I said Spider Ian Miller, Andy McCulloch, Brian Ornsby, Roger Wilde. He was in the squad. Uh, didn't get picked in the team, so Roger didn't go to get game. Roger was telling the story, but he drove off. He drove off uh, up into to hills in uh, Sheffield, disappointed because he weren't he weren't oh, playing it. Bob Boulder were there. Mike Pickering, the captain, was there. So great turnout and absolutely it was a full house. You, you know, you couldn't move in place and. They all enjoyed themselves because there were plenty of laughter uh, in the room. So, great night and, uh, like I said, great great memories. Those reunions, I don't know who, we, who gets the most out of it. The former players reliving the memories or the fans listening to you reliving the memories because I, I think it's wonderful listening to former players talk about those halcyon days. Well, it's great to see, the, it's great to see your ex-teammates, yeah. what you haven't seen if you haven't seen it for a long time, it's great to have. And the first thing, uh, first, when I got there, there were Brian Ornsby, uh, Bob Boulder, Mick Pickering, and uh, uh, Andy McCulloch. So I haven't seen, like I said, for, for ages. And I was I was the one who would always say something to the manager. And as soon as I walked through, they were just laughing their head off. You know, and it, we all loved each other and... You know, then we were reminiscing of stories. Can you remember this? Can you remember when you and Jack uh, had a fighting gym and all that? And then you're telling those stories that the fans want to hear, and yeah. they're, you know, they're laughing their heads off. You know, uh, Bob Bowden was quite funny and all with some of the stories. You know, when he was uh, going in for uh, a pay rise and things like that. And what we talk when he was talking, you know. I'm only on twenty pound a week, like and everybody's laughing their head off at twenty quid because when you look at football nowadays, yeah, you know, he was on more than that, but he just he just made it made it out that he was on twenty pound a week, like you know, but uh, great times, great memories, and great laughter, and uh, I think the fans love it more than the players, but yeah. the players just love uh, seeing each other and uh, rem- reminiscing about the time, but the fans want to listen to the stories. And stories, but uh, they may have heard, but uh, not sure whether it's true or not. So when you confirm these little uh, antidotes that, uh, and you confirm them that uh, you know they they love it. They just love to listen to to players talk. Because again, that's the one thing that that I'm guessing that lots of former players miss as much as they miss the game. Probably miss the crack in the dressing room even more, don't you? Well, when I walked away from football, and to say. I love football. Yeah. I knew everything about football. You, yeah. you, you, young kids talking about players. I was like that when I was a kid. I knew, and we didn't get all the, uh, we, we, we didn't have Wikipedias and Googles and yeah. we, we had match at day and that was it. And the only European uh, matches we saw were international matches or European Cup. You didn't see European teams play like we see, we can see now. 
So, and I knew loads and loads of uh, European players in, in my day. Yeah. Um, so, what, what I'm saying about it is football, it changes yeah. because it has to change to get to get it to to improve the game itself. But the role, the, the it's still it's still the same when you see each other. It's just a great, great to see players that you haven't seen for years. Yeah. And um, it's just it's it's, it, it's as though it's as though uh, it, it, we were going back playing. But I walked away from it, and I I just thought I'd had enough of it. Yeah. You know, and when you do things like that, and you think to yourself, is What's what's the reason for it? Why 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 why? Well, there were times when I couldn't do anything because she was where you went. You not pestered, but people wanted to talk to you and things like that. And I'm I'm one of them. What will talk to them? But uh, I didn't miss the game. What I missed was the dressing room yeah. and the banter of the players. So that's what we're trying to get at. It's great to see the players again. Yeah. And uh, I went down to Nottingham on Thursday, and the reception every time I go down there is phenomenal. <laughs> if if not, it, it, I'll tell you, it's as good, if not better, when I go to Nottingham Forest. The atmosphere, the reception I get when I get when, when I go when I go to them dues, and I don't go to many of them dues. And they'll ask me, you know, um, if I go to a, Sheff- a Nottingham Forest Sheffield Wednesday game down at Nottingham. Yeah. And I'm in one of their hospitalities, uh, going around the hospitalities, doing a little talk. They'll ask me uh, who's going to win the game. And, and I'm always brave enough to say, well, there's only one team, that's Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. Yet they still, they still give me great praise uh, when I go there. It, 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 it is fantastic. And it's it's great that uh, some clubs do it and all. And, and it, I mean, I don't go like a lot of players. I mean, a lot of players go on match days to the clubs now. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of Everton lads when I were playing, you know, Sharpie and uh, Pat Van Den there's all players doing things at the football club. Mick Pickering works down at uh, Illsborough there. You know, Jeff, well, David Hurst did, but he had a bit of a fallout. But there's a lot of man, there's all players working at the club doing yeah. things. So I'm never won. Uh, once I left, I, I, once I walked away from football, that was it. I'd done with it. And I only got really back interested through Jock and Tom. So, but on the Saturdays, I go and watch Jock. And I've done that now for last what, 10, 12 years now yeah. with Jock. So I'm more into that uh, than going and watching football matches. But when I get the free time, I, I like to get to Willsburg and I get to a couple of Forest games. I get invited up to Everton, but I never, go, I never go. I get invited up to Sunderland, I never go. And I get invited down to Southampton and Derby, but I never go, you know, because I, I'm watching Jock more than anything else. Now, the Forest, re- was it was it a reunion or was it just um, no, a, a it gathering? No, it was a. Uh, I did one. I did one with with, with a reunion. When it, it wasn't a reunion, but what it was, uh, they did a do for um, John Robertson. This is your life. About four months ago, five months ago, I went yeah. to that one. But this one was. Uh, it was. It was about Clough. Okay. Clough's life at uh, in football, but it was a charity do. They were raising money for a charity. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, Obviously, they invite players down and they do a talk and what have you. So they, that what that was about. So fantastic! Uh, it's fantastic when I go when I go to Nottingham and all. Yeah. 
Well, you know what I'm going to say next, TC? We yep, have Dave, done an hour. Time absolutely flies. Now, we always finish on the football predictions. We are going to be off for probably a week or, or maybe two over Christmas because uh, my produ- our producer <laughs> wants a bit of time off. But we're still going to do the football predictions, so we'll do it on our Facebook and we'll we'll keep in touch with that and we will be talking you know, be- between us um, during that period of time that... That is between the next podcast. So it's all slightly up in the air, but I'm guessing at worst case scenario, first week back in, in January, just in time for the FA Cup. So we're going to go. So for... you're telling me that uh, we're having uh, Boxing Day off? It looks as though we are, all mate. footballers and no. all football journalists have to work on a Boxing Day. I'm absolutely gutted, <laughs> mate. So, yeah, Without a doubt, I'd be doing it. But, but Chris isn't as, uh, as happy to do it as... I think it's more Chris's missus, to be quite truthful. She doesn't want to... And to be fair to him, he is very, very busy doing his work because this is just a beautiful hobby that we've got. So, Sheffield United uh, playing Aston Villa. How do you see that game going... I'm going to go for a, a, a Villa winning, not because I want United to get beat, because yep. they play some fantastic football. And when I've watched them play, uh, they are they're, they're a joy to watch. And Chris Wilder has done a great job. I think Villa need it. I'm not saying that Sheffield United don't need yep. it. And, and looking at Chris Wilder, he won't let them take the foot off the pair. He's one of the old school managers what says it or tells it as he sees it. Uh, the Liverpool game, when the reporter asked him a question, he said uh, they have a right to uh, put 100% effort into a game. So he'll not let them take the foot off it. I just think that, you know, they got a bad result. The last home game was against yeah. uh, Newcastle. I'm not saying a bad result. Britain looking for some of the bad decisions with the VAR thing. I don't like talking about the VAR because we're giving it... Uh, we're giving it the airtime. We should be giving it because we, we want to see football. We don't want to see stopping and, and, and nothing. So I think Villa just might nick this a one nil. I could be wrong, but you know I'm not saying it because I want United to get beat. I've just just got a funny feeling Villa might nick this one nil. Well, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go one one on the VAR situation. The respective FAs from England, Wales, and Scotland, and uh, I believe the Irish as, as well. Um, have joined together and they've put it forward to UEFA and FIFA that they they want a slight rule change with the offside where they you know it, it, where they used to be. Well, there used to be a bit of fresh air, didn't they? You know, yeah. where it's so contentious, they want to just eradicate that. And so, if it's borderline, they'll give they'll give the goal. That's what they want to do going forward. But whether they'll be allowed to, who knows? Brent... Well, when, when you see goals being disallowed, like Sheffield United won exactly. against Tottenham, and yeah. it's a toll. Yeah. I, well, we want to see goals. If it's offside, well, you're gonna, you know, what you're gonna get is people say, if it's offside, it's offside. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so that's the problem we've got. Yeah, I get it? that. Yeah, I get but that. But now they can, now they can highlight it and put a line on it. Yeah. And they say, well, so the the ones what want offside are gonna demand, well, it's offside, and 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 and, and the other ones like me and you and other fans think, well, that's a bit harsh. That we want to see goals, you know, yeah. not stopping it for bar. I mean, again, I just thought VAR would have come in just for the goal line. The ball gone over, the ball had gone over the goal line to see things. What's going off in the game now? I don't like. So uh, sometimes it works for you, sometimes it doesn't work for you. But let's hope that uh, we can get a, a way around it where 
when it's the finest of margins that we can let it go. Yeah, and that's what they are trying to eradicate, to, to be fair to them. Brentford versus Fulham, I think this is going to be a fine margin as well in this West London derby. No, no, what did I go for this? Fulham, up and down like I don't know what. I thought they changed it when I, I picked it. I, I, backed, I picked up a couple of times, I've got beat, and then I picked them against Swansea. Uh, I think you went for Swansea that day, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did, yeah. And I, I, yeah, I went a 2-1. We... I went a 2-1 and it was a 2-1. And I thought they might have changed. But they got beat beat against Preston. They got beat by Bristol City at yeah. home. So, uh, I've got, I, if I'm honest, I can't remember what, what I picked last night. One, I, one. Think, I think I picked a draw. Didn't I? Yeah, I'm going to go for a draw again. 1-1. One, one. And last night, again, I picked 2-1 because uh, Fulham, kiss of death, I backed them to win the championship. And uh, they've uh, they've pretty much one step forward and a couple sideways and then the odd one backwards as well. Yeah. Leeds versus Cardiff. Um, big, big, big game. Uh, two, two famous teams uh, and, and both teams that John Charles played for. Yeah, they always make it hard for for, for Leeds to, to, does uh, Cardiff, but Leeds now uh, they're playing well. They started to score goals. I think that's what let them down last season. They didn't get enough goals. Um, they've got a manager in Bielsa. What works them hard? He's got a youth. Uh, it's like a youth team as such. When I say youth team, I'm, they're not 18, but some are 18. But they're round about the 20s, 22s, 23s mark with a couple of uh, experienced players in. I think they're going to go without any doubt this this season. 2-0 uh, Leeds. Yep, I'm going to go 1-0 to Leeds United. Uh, two of your, your, your former clubs, <laughs> which you just mentioned earlier. Forrester playing Wednesday this week at, uh, at the City Ground. How do you see that one going? Well, Wednesday always seemed to do well against uh, Forrest. And when I was at Forrest, and, and when, I've, when you see Forrest play... Uh, Sheffield United, they've always got good results against Sheffield United, but Wednesday's always got the better of uh, Notts Forest. When I say the better, whether it's a draw or or, or a win, uh, the last time I played, uh, played the last time I saw Sheffield Wednesday at Nottingham Forest, uh, Wednesday won 3-0, scored a terrific goal. I think there was about 30-odd passes in the game uh, when Cavalier was manager. So I'm going to 2-1. 2-1 win Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, I'm going to go for a draw. I think a 1-1 one, one draw for me. Uh, Manchester United versus Everton. I, front, I think the front three of uh, Man United will be too far too strong for Everton. Like, like we spoke about earlier on, Duncan Ferguson will, will, will get them up for the game. He'll make sure they play with passion. He'll make sure that they give uh, 100% throughout the game. Uh, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a three-nil Man United. They've just turned it down now, Man United. Yeah, I'm going to go two-nil. I think United will have too much for Everton. And finally, because we always make it up to the six when we uh, do our football forecast, Birmingham City versus Albion. How do you see that going? Albion are flying, but drew at Wigan the, uh, in midweek. Yeah, well, like Leeds, they're not going to keep winning and winning and winning. I think Leeds won about six or eight on shot. Mm. So I was thinking about. It may it may be a draw, but I've I've gone with Leeds for two 0 I think uh, it weren't a great result for for, for West Brom at Port Wigan, but they didn't get beat, you know, and they are playing well. I think he's another good manager in that league. Uh, yeah, Billich, he's got them playing some good football. They're playing for each other. I'm going to go a two 0 Birmingham. Sorry, Birmingham fans, and sorry, Gabby, but I just think they'll they'll be a bit too strong for you. And I like Birmingham. I like uh, the way they're playing football. 
So you go in a two nil Albion out at St Andrews, and I'm going to go yeah. for a one one draw. It's half twelve kickoff, and I do find that sometimes with the early kickoffs you do get some strange results, and I'm hoping that we do get a strange result and Birmingham can get a draw, get at least something from West Bromwich Albion, which we dearly need. Well, TC, that closes the uh, the podcast for this week. So thank you very much again. Um, Merry Christmas to you and yours and everybody for listening. But as always, you won the football forecast last week, so you get to pick the music this week that we're going out with. So take it away, what you picked. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family and everyone, all the fans what's listening. And I, I wouldn't be too disappointed if Birmingham beat uh, West Brom. But I'm predicting, we're doing predictions, so that's why I'm, I'm going down that route. But if Birmingham win, and it makes it even more happy Christmas for you and all your Birmingham fans, it, it wouldn't bother me. I'm going to pick uh, one of my favourite artists, Paul or Paul Carrick, with uh, Blue Eyes. Fantastic, TC. And an artist that you've shared the stage with, and you'll have to put that up on your, uh, your Facebook account as well. I'll get those photographs out today and I'll post them up for you. Top man. Thanks, thanks, TC, and thank you all for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yes, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everyone, and uh, I hope it's a good one for everyone. Bye. 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 catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 